This is an ABC podcast. In September 2015, the Democratic National Committee, the overarching body which controls the Democratic Party, received a call. It was bad news. An FBI agent named Adrian Hawkins said hackers belonging to the Russian government had attacked the DNC's computer system. I believe that in the beginning, the person answering the phone at the DNC did not even believe that that he or she was dealing with an FBI agent on the other side of the line. The IT staffer who took the call thought it was a prank. But Agent Hawkins was persistent. He called again and again over several weeks. The FBI, uh, one one official told me that they called the the, uh, DNC 11 times. I'm sorry, 11 times they reached out to the DNC. His concerns were ignored. Some of his calls weren't even returned. This was a huge mistake. It was the biggest intrusion into Democratic Party operations since Watergate. And it's a huge part of why Donald Trump was elected president. I'm Matt Bevan, and this is... Russia, if you're listening. Today, hacking, leaking, and the spreading of chaos. How Russia stepped over the line and tried to influence the outcome of the 2016 US presidential election. I've seen a lot of bad stuff in my 50-plus years in intelligence. Uh, That really shook me because of what this represented as as an an attempt to undermine the very pillars of our uh, democracy. According to the big boys of US intelligence, that's the FBI, the NSA and the CIA, the DNC hack was the first stage of Vladimir Putin's plan. There shouldn't be any doubt in anybody's mind. This was not something that was done casually. This was not something that was done by chance. This was not a target that was selected purely arbitrarily. This was a conscious effort by a nation state to attempt to achieve a specific effect. The DNC hack wasn't a particularly difficult task for the Russians. In fact, experts think that two separate groups of Russian hackers were in the DNC systems at the same time, without knowing that the other one was there. The hacking groups responsible go by the names Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear. The group that had been there the longest was the FSB, formerly the KGB, which used to be run by Vladimir Putin. It's the equivalent of the American CIA, or the UK's MI6. Well, actually, Captain, I'm with the British Secret Service. The name is Bond, James Bond. The FSB, delightfully nicknamed Cozy Bear, were hacking computers all over the world. They were sitting in an office building on a university complex right next to the Red Square in Moscow. Cozy Bear has been around since at least 2014. Cozy Bear was hacking the State Department. Uh, after getting entrance to the State Department, from there they sent a phishing email to the White House, somebody at the White House which was opened, then they had access to the White House, even to some of President Obama's um, confidential uh, emails. And their preferred method of gaining access is tricking people into opening emails which download malicious advanced software. This is called phishing. And when the software is installed, it gives the hackers remote access. But bizarrely, they weren't alone inside the DNC computer systems. There was a whole other group of Russian spies in there at the same time, and they go by the name of Fancy Bear. 
staff of the DNC, we were able to identify uh, with a very high degree of confidence a group uh, that we uh, have attributed back to the Russian government targeting uh, that, that DNC network. The Russian doesn't really translate the acronym into English very well, but basically they're Russian Military Intelligence, or the GRU. And this was not their first rodeo. In early 2015, GRU breached successfully not just the German parliament, but also the Italian military and the Saudi foreign ministry. Hacking culture involves a lot of jargon and usernames. But all you really need to know is that the FSB, the GRU and the Bears, both fancy and cosy, are all Russian government spies. They may be independent, but they're all working for the same cause. They got into the DNC system and were able to take a lot of information out. This group, their level of sophistication is very, very high, very, very difficult to detect. They are able to maintain uh, persistence for long periods of time without being uncovered. This is Sean Henry. He's a former senior executive at the FBI, and he's now with the private cybersecurity company CrowdStrike, which was called in to fight off the DNC attack. Uh, and if I'm the Russians, uh, what am I able to, what am I looking for and what am I able to find and take away from the DNC? We've got uh, corporate strategies, email communications, uh, you've got documents, Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, uh, PDFs, calendars, etc. those sorts of things that just help us govern our our day-to-day business life and our personal life. The Russian hackers had taken all of it. But in a way, it's not so much the hacking itself that's the problem here. It's what the Russians would end up doing with all the stolen data. So the Russian government and intelligence community have been hacking and breaching adversary computer networks for a very long time, literally for 20 years this year. But this is the first time that they breached a system and didn't just exfiltrate, take out data but then started putting those files into the public domain in order to affect, in this case, a democratic uh, election campaign. That's, that's new. That's a game changer, I think. The Russian hackers were about to go public. But to get maximum impact, they needed to time it just right. And they worked out the perfect opportunity. Back when she was a US senator, Hillary Clinton set up a private server to manage her charity, the Clinton Foundation. The server contained the foundation's files and emails and physically lived in the basement of the Clinton family home an hour north of Manhattan, as opposed to your emails, which are off in the cloud somewhere. The problem was that this server in the Clinton's basement didn't have the same level of security that US government email servers have. When I got to work as Secretary of State, I opted for convenience to use my personal email account, which was allowed by the State Department, because I thought it would be easier to carry just one device for my work and for my personal emails instead of two. Easier, perhaps, but also problematic. When she became Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton wanted to keep using her BlackBerry phone. While she was pretty blasé about the cybersecurity threat of using a private unsecured phone, the State Department was not. They forced her to lock her BlackBerry in a metal box when she was in the office. But because she only carried one device, her staff sent everything to her personal phone. 
An estimated 2,000 classified emails flowed through that private email server in the Clintons' basement, and while most were not top secret, they were to some degree sensitive. Wow. Unconfirmed. Unconfirmed. Unconfirmed reports about Gaddafi being captured. Unconfirmed. For instance, she found out that the Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi had been killed when a message arrived on her personal BlackBerry just before a TV network interview. That was something that she wasn't supposed to have found out about on her private phone. We came, we saw, he died. (laughs) Eventually, that secret server, quietly humming away in their basement, was discovered. And that was partially because of a Romanian hacker called Guccifer. Guccifer stole and leaked emails from a White House aide, and those emails revealed that staffers were sending emails to Hillary Clinton's personal account via the private server. You hacked your way into the Bush family emails. You hacked your way into Colin Powell's emails. You uncovered that Hillary Clinton was using a private email. Yes. Freedom of information requests were made for Secretary Clinton's emails, and she was asked to hand them over. We went through a thorough process to identify all of my work-related emails and deliver them to the State Department. Keep in mind that government business emails must be preserved. And in some circumstances, deleting emails can be against the law. At the end, I chose not to keep my private personal emails. No one wants their personal emails made public, and I think most people understand that and respect that privacy. She deleted 30,000 emails that she decided were personal, and her team used a program called Bleachbit to wipe the server so it could never be read again. Lock her up. That's right. Yes, that's right. Lock her up. This became a scandal. Now I can focus on Hillary, that crook. I can focus on Hillary. Crooked Hillary. An investigation by the FBI into Hillary Clinton's private server found that she hadn't committed a crime. There is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. We cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. But if anything, that just stoked the anti-Clinton outrage even more. And then, just when things looked like they couldn't get any worse, the DNC emails were published on the internet. Hi, this is Guccifer 2.0. Someone named Guccifer 2.0 popped up and took responsibility for the hack. This is me, who hacked Democratic National Committee. The hacker claimed to be Romanian, just like the first Guccifer who stole emails from the White House staffer and said that he had nothing to do with Russia. He told Vice over a Twitter chat, I am a hacker, manager, philosopher, women lover. I also like Gucci. But Guccifer 2.0 was Russian. Security experts and American intelligence determined that he was a GRU military intelligence officer working out of Moscow. That's right, Guccifer 2.0 is Fancy Bear. But Guccifer 2.0, or Fancy Bear, or whatever you want to call the Russian hackers, had a problem. They needed to get their information out there faster. They needed a middleman. Someone with a big international following and a history of dumping exciting secret material online. And the right guy landed right on their doorstep. The American liberal press, uh, in falling over themselves uh, to defend Hillary Clinton, are erecting a demon uh, that is going to put nooses around everyone's necks. Julian Assange, 
a man who was apparently ready and willing to attack Hillary Clinton. You're saying Julian Assange is going to be Hillary's worst nightmare in 2016. So, yeah. This is the hacker Kim.com. He has access to information. Why Hillary in particular? Well, Hillary hates Julian. She is just an adversary of, uh, I think, internet freedom. He said that 12 months before the email leak. Now, Julian Assange has just about as many reasons to dislike Hillary Clinton as Vladimir Putin does. She was Secretary of State when he published hundreds of thousands of secret State Department diplomatic messages via his website, WikiLeaks. Let's be clear. This disclosure is not just an attack on America's foreign policy interests. It is an attack on the international community. She was also Secretary of State when he locked himself in the Ecuadorian embassy and refused to come out. According to some reports, she once joked to colleagues about killing Assange with a drone strike. Well, I, I, I don't know anything about what he's talking about, and uh, I don't recall any joke. Um, it would have been a joke if it uh, had been said, but I don't recall that. Hillary Clinton says she thinks Assange hated her so much that he published the emails stolen by the Russians. I mean, he's a tool of Russian intelligence, and if he's such a you know, martyr of free speech, why doesn't WikiLeaks ever publish anything coming out of Russia? Isn't he just doing what journalists do, which is publish information when they get it? I don't think so. I think, for number one, it's stolen information, uh, and number two, if all you did was publish it, that would be one thing. But there was a concerted operation uh, between uh, WikiLeaks and Russia and most likely people in the United States to, as I say, weaponize that information. Assange denies that he got the emails from the Russians. Our source uh, is not the Russian government uh, and it is not state party. But he did get them from Guccifer 2.0 after he got in touch with them asking for anything they had on Hillary Clinton. Anyway, in July 2016, WikiLeaks published the trove of DNC material online only a few days before the convention. But they didn't just dump it. They published a searchable website with the juiciest items highlighted. Just as the Democratic Party were gearing up to endorse Hillary Clinton, the leaked emails exposed something that the party hoped would never get out. They showed that the DNC, which is supposed to be independent, had backed Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders during the party's primaries. Well, I think it's outrageous, but it is not a great shock to me. Bernie Sanders saw it as a sign that the supposedly unbiased DNC had been sabotaging his campaign. I mean, there's no question to my mind, and I think uh, no question to any objective observer's mind, uh, that the DNC was supporting Hillary Clinton and was in opposition to our uh, campaign. So I'm not quite shocked by this. And while the convention did go ahead as planned, the leak cast a stench over the whole thing. The boss of the DNC resigned. There were protests outside the convention centre. And the leak damaged Hillary Clinton at a crucial time. She was hoping to springboard off the convention platform and crush Donald Trump. I accept your nomination for President of the United States. The DNC leak was not enough to destroy Hillary Clinton's momentum on its own, though it did provide fodder for the Trump campaign for a few weeks. Just as the DNC emails were released, Donald Trump tweeted, The new joke in town is that Russia leaked the disastrous DNC emails because Putin likes me. Two days later, Donald Trump begged for Russia's help in finding Hillary Clinton's deleted emails, the personal ones which were deleted from her private server. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 
emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Let's see if that happens. That'll be next. Yes, sir. They never found those emails, or if they did, they haven't released them yet. But it didn't matter, because the Russian hackers had better stuff just around the corner, waiting for the right time for it to be released. This is Russia If You're Listening, produced by Yasmin Parry and Will Ockenden. Next week, the night the hackers saved Donald Trump. I moved on her like a bitch, but I couldn't get there. How the most damaging news story of the campaign was blunted. Grab him by the pussy. And all thanks to a bunch of internet trolls in St. Petersburg. Yeah, it was totally industrialized. I mean, it was just like, you know, I, it makes me wonder, like, what else is going on like that. Who tried to influence the minds of American voters as they went to the polls. They conducted the largest psychological warfare campaign in history, and they won. That's next on Russia, if you're listening.